Well, that would happen in someone's home. One of the many church members who had uh, churches in their house, or sometimes it would be alongside the river, or sometimes it would be somewhere in the community, but they met in small groups, uh, often 20 to 30 uh, in one sitting. And they would meet, uh, you, can only, you can imagine, in the round, right? Where they were eye to eye and face to face. And when one had a song, they would lead it. When another had a teaching, they would share it. And they would remember uh, the teachings of Jesus and the teachings of the apostles. And they would share uh, the communion meal with one another, the Lord's Supper. And each week as they did that, they would talk about how they remembered the sacrifice of Jesus' body being broken for them so that they could be saved. And they would take the juice and they would uh, drink it together and remember the blood of Jesus that was spilled for them. And in this way, uh, the early church begins to build deeply rooted faith, but it's not just faith that they're forming in that meal. They're forming relationship. They're forming relationship with God and continually connecting with His Son, Jesus Christ, by remembering and celebrating uh, how Jesus sacrificed for them. And as we do it today, there is a risk at times, since we're a church that takes the Lord's Supper every week, that it becomes a thing we do and check off on our Sunday morning to-do list. And so one of our members earlier this year challenged the shepherds to think about uh, building in some services periodically throughout the year uh, where we do communion differently or we think or teach about communion differently in ways that do that stuff the early church did of connecting ourselves more to God and more to one another, of being more than the short memorial service, but bringing it into the teaching or the worship or some part of the service in some way. Well, this is one of those Sundays that we're going to be doing that. And so we're going to have a couple of things that we'll be doing during the service uh, that will provide you opportunities to think differently about your connection to God and your connection to other Christians. Uh, the last time we did this, we had three opportunities uh, and we shared part of our faith story with other people in the room. Uh, today, each of the activities will have a non-conversational option if you'd like to sit where you are and not get social. Uh, there's going to be ways you can connect without having to, to, to cross. So we're going to kind of imagine this and be kind of creative in how we think about it and do it. Uh, if you're visiting with us today and you're thinking, man, this all sounds kind of weird, uh, it is a little bit. Um, but here's the thing, if you're someone that thinks it's a little bit weird, uh, we will only do this like three or four times a year. If you're someone that thinks this is really, really cool, we're going to do this at least three or four times a year. All right? So there's the space. That's kind of the space where family happens is in the discomfort between the only and the at least, right? So we're going to be thinking today through our service. I, I want you to invite you to think about our service today as an entire communion service that's helping us to remember what God's done in our lives and often how he's done it through people in our lives. He often does his greatest work when his spirit comes into the people that we love the most and they allow the spirit to do its work in them so that they can become a blessing to us in some way. You know, and we know that there are all kinds of different times and seasons uh, there are times of great blessing in our lives where we wake up and think, man, it is good to be awake and receive all the joys that I know today's going to bring. And there's days in our lives when we wake up and we think, man, I don't think I can make it through one more day like this. 
And in all of those seasons, seasons where we're surrounded by loved ones and seasons where we live in loneliness and isolation, seasons of abundance and seasons of lacking, Paul tells us in the letter to the Thessalonians, he says this, Rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. What a teaching. What a challenge for Paul to bring us. Give thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks in all circumstances. And, and I'll tell you that, that part of me, as someone who has experienced grief, and we had last week our Surviving the Holidays Grief Share Seminar, and for people who are in that season of life where they're grieving actively the loss of a loved one in their house, this is a hard scripture. It's a hard scripture because you wake up on those mornings where you're in the throes of grief and you think, I can't live another day like this, alone, without my loved one. And that reality is present. And this scripture doesn't, I don't think, deny that. But it invites us even, this is kind of Psalm 23 we read through a couple weeks ago, right? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I do not fear evil because your staff and your rod comfort me. And so there's these little ways that we're able to find thanksgiving even in the midst of the shadow of evil and the shadow of death and the valley of, of being in the pit. And so we're going to be thinking about that a little bit here in, in a while today, about what it means to be thankful even in the midst of grief. But I don't want to just dismiss that. Um, I remember when, uh, when I lost my dad some years back. Uh, I went through a season, uh, my, my burden and my struggle, my faith journey with my, the loss of my dad was not such uh, that I questioned whether or not God still existed. Uh, some people do, and I, that's a grief process, and you can walk through that process with God, that's okay. But it wasn't my journey. Uh, my journey was that I believe God existed, and he just wasn't where I was, and I couldn't go to where he was. It felt in my prayers that I was just separated from God by a huge wall of glass. And, and I just felt very alone, even in my prayers. And, and in my studies in school, I was in college at the time, and one of my classes I was in was Psalms, and the Psalms are filled with these laments. And the laments have this honest crying out to God of, God, I believe you're in charge, and God, this world stinks, and I'm tired of being miserable, and so I'm asking you to change it, because who else can I ask to make it different except for you? And so that's how the lament psalms work. And I began to read those psalms, and then I was holding those against my own prayers, right? And my prayers sounded a lot then like they did when I was in third grade at that point. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this wonderful day. Thank you for the weather. Thank you for my family. Thank you for all the blessings you give us. Please be with missionaries that are in other parts of the world. And then I would get to my list of other sundry things that, that needed to be dealt with in the daily prayers of, of me at that time. And it turns out that being happy and thankful in my prayer life was what was keeping that wall there between me and God. And it was only when I began being honest with God about how through faith I wanted him to make me feel less alone and different and help me get through my grief, and I cried out to God in that way, that that wall came crashing down. And it's not because God wasn't there, it's because I wasn't being honest with him about where I was. And you kind of think, well, how do you be thankful 
with that kind of brutal anguish and honesty. If you go look at the Psalms, the Lament Psalms, what you'll find is that over and over and over again, 40% of the, there's 150 Psalms, 40% of them are Lament Psalms, which is a lot. It's more than any other category of Psalms. And almost all of those have a, a pattern that repeats over and over and over again. And what it is, is it starts with an address to God, and then it goes to a crying out to him to make something different. And then it gives you your arguments about why it should be different. And then you tell him how you would like it to be instead. And it's all just raw and heavy and emotional. And then there's something comes at the end of these lament psalms almost every time. It's gratitude and it's praise. And there's something about being honest with God that results in us trusting him more and results in us putting our confidence in him. And it almost always sounds something like, God, you've heard me pray prayers like this before and you got me through those times. And so I know you're gonna do it again. And so in the midst of grief, we find gratitude. In the midst of suffering, we find thanksgiving. But it's a hard teaching, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. Because sometimes we get overwhelmed by our emotions and we just can't seem to push our way through it to get to the gratitude. We find that it's easy to be happy and thankful in spring and in summer. But in fall and winter, sometimes we just see the trees losing their leaves and we feel the bitter cold wind and we feel the sun setting way too soon. You feel that? We can get lost in those feelings. But God tells us, no, I'm doing stuff in fall. God tells us I'm doing stuff in winter. In fact, what you enjoy during spring is the result of what I was doing under the frozen ground in the winter. And so God's working in every season. And Paul knows that. And so he's able to give us this instruction. And he's learned it in his own life. When he's writing to the Philippians, he tells them, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need. For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether I'm well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things, all this, through him who gives me strength. And so Paul's understanding of suffering and of also abundance is not rooted in his contentment. You see, for Paul, he says, listen, if I've got more than I need, my contentment doesn't come from the extra food and the second servings. My help comes from the strength God gives me. If I'm in a season where I'm hungry for days or weeks or some long season of time, and if I'm just hungry, my contentment doesn't come from my food. It comes from the strength God gives me. If I've got extra money, that extra money doesn't give me contentment. The strength God gives me does. He roots his contentment not in his physical circumstances, but in the strength that God provides. And so today I want us to be 
prayerfully going through and considering how even in seasons of grief, but also in seasons of blessing, that what God provides for us in those moments is enough for us to be content in each and every season and in each and every moment. How do we do it? How do we do it? And, and in, for me, in the week after being at the Grief Share Seminar, where you meet new people from the neighborhood and the area and from our own church who are in the thick of it, who are in the dark days of grief, who know that going into the holidays, how aware they're going to be of the passing of a loved one who will not be around the table this year. I don't want to just do that lip service. I want us to spend a few minutes prayerfully giving thanks to God for a lost loved one in our lives. And for some of you, this may be inviting you into a place that's really recent, that's very raw, and, and I know that. But, but if we believe this teaching that we're content and thankful in all circumstances, even in those moments, we're going to try and do it. And for some of you, the person who you have loved and lost may be an echo of, of a wounding from far in the past. It may be a wound that for you has healed over many times and that you're able to pick up and hold those memories with less of that raw despair there. But you can remember it with the good memories and, and the memory of loss being something of the past that you can kind of hold with warmth now. And it feels good for you to remember. What I want us to do is to think about how we can be thankful that we love somebody enough and we're loved enough by them that they're worthy of being missed. Let me tell you what I mean by that. There are some great people in your life that died and that you didn't know them very well. They didn't have a great impact on you. And so there wasn't a lot of grief for them. There wasn't a lot of ache when they passed away. You may have even gone to their funeral out of reverence and respect, but in the weeks after that, it was someone that didn't create a lot of ache in your life because the impact that they regularly made on your life was less. But you all have someone that when they passed away, you knew day after day ache of their passing because they mattered so much to you. And while that feels bad in the moment, isn't it good that you love someone enough and someone loved you enough and made a big enough impact on you that the absence of them hurts so bad? Isn't that a reminder of how good the gift of their presence was for so many years before? And so it allows us, when we remember that, to be thankful for the good experiences and the memories and to seek out people that we can share those with in good ways that may still feel painful but that remind us of the good times. We can be thankful in the midst of grief and suffering for the legacy of their relationship in our life, that, that they made an impact on you. And one of the things I'm going to invite you to think about today is, if that person had not been in my life, how would I be different? What impact did they make on me that as a result of their being in my life, I'm a different, better, more whatever person because they were with you for a while. And you can be thankful for the legacy and impact that they've left on your life, even today, while they're no longer here. And the final thing is, how can we be thankful for ways that God grows our faith through suffering? 
The Bible tells us that God intends all things to be done for the good uh, of those who are faithful and obedient to him. And, And it doesn't mean that we're thankful for losing a loved one, but it does mean that we can be thankful for the growth that God gives us in the midst of that. And thankful for the result of it, even if we're not thankful for the cause of it. You know, fall leaves often symbolize um, the, the beginnings of what feels like the death of the seasons, the falling of things. And it's beautiful at the end, but then it, as the leaves fall, they turn brown and they no longer have the green life that they once had. And so one of the things that we're going to be doing today is we actually have, I think they're scattered around the room in some of the windowsills, uh, we have leaves that are scattered. And some of them are orange and yellow and uh, fall colors. And those leaves are there so that if you want to, as you remember uh, the name of someone who has been an impact person in your life, someone that you love deeply and who made a difference in your life, uh, you can put their name on that leaf. And then we've got a little tree that's out here in the south foyer uh, behind, you know, out this door and then around. Uh, After services, you can go take that leaf, and Elliot's passing some around, and Mackenzie, they've got a few others, Um, As they're passing these out, you can put the name of that loved one there and put it on that tree in honor of the impact they made in your life. Because as a part of this community, uh, as you have been blessed by them, we also have been blessed by them because of you. Because of you. And we want to remember and honor and celebrate that. Um, As they pass those out, you can do that. Here's what we're going to do. There's There's three pieces to this kind of sharing and connecting activity that we're going to do in remembering uh, the life of a lost loved one. Uh, Here in a minute, uh, we're going to all stand up. Wait till I tell you to. Don't stand up now. Okay. Uh, We're going to all stand up. And then you have two choices at that point. If you would like to take this several minutes to just prayerfully thank God for the impact that that person that you loved and lost made on your life, if you just want to do that, individually with yourself and God. Uh, You just sit down and you can do that on your own. If you would like to tell the story of how that person impacted you to another person in the room, you stay standing and you go find another stander and you can tell them uh, about the person that you lost. You can share that story with them. And we've got three questions. Is it three? Um, And here's how it works. You go back and forth answering one at a time. So if one person stands up and takes all the minutes of the conversation, you've done it wrong, okay? So choice number one, instruction number one, is if if you want to sit, sit and have that moment to pray and thank God for the life of a lost loved one and remember that and pray through these questions with gratitude and thanksgiving. If you're standing, go find one or two standers that you can share and visit with. If you are standing and you see a person sitting, leave them alone. It's not yours. All right, so there we go. All right, at this time, if everyone would stand up, start by standing. Everyone starts by standing because social inertia will leave you all sitting if I don't make you start from a standing position. (laughs) All right, now at this time, uh, if you would like to sit, please sit. If you're standing, please find someone who would like to share a bit of your loved one's story. And we'll do this for about three or four minutes.
conversations, those prayers. I know that what I asked you to do for some of you was a heavy thing. And I do it because we take seriously these instructions. And if we're going to read that we need to be thankful in all circumstances, I think we have to find spaces as a community to practice it, to actually put it in action. And so thank you for being willing to do that, even if it was um, raw and vulnerable. And, and I hope that it involves you, the, the desire of, of lament, the desire of this practice of thanksgiving in the midst of suffering is to connect you with greater faith and confidence with the Father. And when you do it in community, it connects you with greater confidence and faith in one another. And so that's the space that we're seeking to do. But the beautiful thing about the kingdom of God is that it never stays in one season. That out of uh, one season is always growing another one. I was one time meeting with uh, someone who was a mentor to me, and as I went to meet with them, uh, they had chosen a, a, a poem to read, uh, and they said, before I read this poem, uh, and we kind of talk through how you're doing spiritually and other things, um, how are you doing right now? And I said, I'm just, I'm frustrated in, in my life and in my ministry. I feel like all the things that I want to do are a couple years away, and I'm, I'm just tired of waiting. Uh, and then she said, okay, um, well, here's the, the, the poem that God put on my heart to bring here today. Uh, and the poem started out and it says, what is this time of winter? A time when it seems that everything is dead, but a time that I know that underneath the soil, a seed is beginning to churn out green life, invisible to my eye, but will soon produce great beauty. And I said, so you had that picked out before I came in here and told you all of this? And she said, yes, I did. God had given me that poem that day to remind me that sometimes in seasons that feel like or seasons of lack and seasons of loss, boy, he's just getting ready for something new. And he's getting ready for something next. And I don't even know what it is yet, but it's already beginning to produce life that I can be thankful and looking forward to and anticipating. Because God's never done with us until he welcomes us home. And so the next thing I want you to do, you may have noticed there's also green leaves that are in the windowsills. Um, and uh, in this moment, what I want you to do is prayerfully consider the person who in the last year, in 2023, who has been the person that has been the greatest blessing to you? Who is the person that in this calendar year, God has said, I'm going to use this person to comfort you, to encourage you, to shape you, to mentor you, to help you to become more who I want you to be. I'm going to use this person to bless you more than any other in 2023. And so as, as we finish up uh, later, you can also go put some of these names on the green leaves on the tree as a reminder that, that God's gratitudes aren't just a thing of the past, but they continue to function in the present and forward. That God continues to put people in our lives that can bless us and that pour into us, and that he uses for his goodwill in our lives. And so as you think about that, uh, what I want to do is invite you to take a moment and ask God to reveal to you the name or face of the person who he has used to bless you the most this year. As you think about that person and how they've blessed you this year, 
spend some time thanking God for that person and for the difference they've made in your life. Now, here's the thing that you get to do for the next two or three minutes. Preachers don't normally tell you to do this. Pull out your phone, and I want you to send a text or email to that person, uh, if you're comfortable doing so, telling them that they have been a huge blessing to you this year. Let them know. All too often in our lives, we wait until it's too late to tell someone the difference they made, or we take for granted that they know the amount of difference that they've made in our lives. Uh, But if you've got a name uh, of someone, and if you don't have a phone, you can write them a note, you can send it in the mail tomorrow, however you want to do that. Uh, But please take a few minutes and just send that person a note, letting them know what a blessing they've been to you this year. Done. And all of you that are texting me, don't worry. I leave my phone on the front row when I'm up here. It won't disrupt me. finish that, here's the last kind of activity challenge that I want you to do. As you've you've reflected on your maybe long ago or near past, and as you've reflected on the present and who has been blessing you the most recently, uh, the next thing I want you to do is I want you to prayerfully ask God to bring one name or face to your mind who he wants you to bless in the next six months. So if you've been blessed by someone else, this is your opportunity to explore who God wants to use you to be a blessing to in the next six months. We're going to actually put our gratitude into action so that someone in six months might say, I'm so thankful for Kent and the impact he's made in my life over the last six months. And we've got an an activity that will go with this one, too. It's a to-go activity, so we won't be doing it here uh, this morning. But here in this bucket is uh, tulip bulbs. So I don't know how many of you know this. It's currently tulip planting season in Oklahoma. Uh, And tulips do all of their growing work through the winter, and they bloom in the early spring. Uh, And you point them about three to five inches deep, and you point the pointy part pointing up. So I'll give you these instructions so you don't fail due to a lack of, of gardening ability. Uh, and since they grow during winter, they don't need much water or care. They're very hard to mess up. So, so what I want everyone to do is to take one of these tulip bulbs home today and go outside. The weather's good today and plant that bulb somewhere visible. And I don't know how many of you guys like to play board games where you're trying to come up with a way to win the game. Um, there's... There's a thing that comes in some board games uh, that's a little timer. And boy, that timer just turns the intensity up on the game, doesn't it? You ever be, sometimes my family will be playing a game and we're like, you know, let's not do the timer. Let's not worry about it. And it takes about five minutes of us getting impatient, waiting on each other to answer before someone just reaches over and flips that timer. 
and then all of a sudden the intensity of the game skyrockets, right? Well, these tulips are your blessing timer. You're going to plant them today or this week. And what I want to encourage you to do is to ask God, God, whoever it is that you've put in my heart or mind to be a blessing to, help me to do it before that tulip blooms this spring. Help me to do it before uh, that tulip reaches its full color. And God, if I forget when that tulip blooms, may it shame me into repentance so that I'll bless them in the spring because I didn't do it in the winter. That's the challenge. Pick a person and be a blessing because you got to give thanks today because someone else was willing to be a blessing to you because God put you on someone else's heart. And so if God's putting someone on your heart today, don't let that opportunity pass. Plant the bulb and let it be a timer on you choosing to bless somebody else. So as we leave here this morning, uh, please start to prayerfully attempt to make a difference in someone's life this week. And you can do it in subtle ways or you can do it in big, bold ways. You can do it in a way that's like a spy blessing where you start trying to bless them without them knowing that you're doing it. That's kind of sneaky. Uh, You can do it in a bold way where you call them afterwards and say, my mission for the next six months is to be a blessing to your life. So watch out. Here I come. That's fine, too. There's no rule book for doing this as long as you're prayerfully trying to do it, to bless them in a way that God has challenged you and put on your heart to do in the coming months. Our lives are filled with all kinds of seasons, seasons of new life and seasons of dormant life. We go through times of great joy and we go through seasons of great trials, seasons of abundance and seasons of lack. In all of those moments, may we learn to be content. In all of those moments, may we rejoice and pray and give thanksgiving to God in all things, even when we don't feel like it, because he is a God who is worthy of praise and a God who is with us both in the green pastures and by the calm waters, and he's with us in the valley of the shadow of death. And so we can have confidence in him, in our relationship with him, and in our relationship with one another in all of those moments. My prayer is that as you take communion next week and the week after and the, the week to come, that sometimes you reflect back on today and the times that we remembered with thanksgiving how God works through the people we take communion with to help us be in better community with him and with one another, that that becomes part of our thinking, part of our prayers, and part of our practice. This Thanksgiving season, as you think about the people in your life who you are most thankful for, past, present, and future, don't forget to think about the people God wants to be thankful for you as you bless forward as you have been blessed through others. If you're here this morning and you need to respond to the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ, that if you believe and are baptized, you will be saved, that you become part of this community, that you get community with God the Father and the brothers and sisters that are his people. If you need to respond to that invitation, please come forward this morning as we stand and sing. How do you explain? How do you describe a love that goes from
Among our requests for prayers this morning, uh, Jim and Mai asked that we pray for Bill Oden, who is in a lot of pain almost every day. He wouldn't tell you that, 